This conversation with Paul Young is so rich. It is so full of treasures. I'm so excited to bring this to you. Paul, he's a longtime friend of mine, and he is the author of The Shack, Crossroads, Eve, Lies We Believe About God, and, and several others. And Paul shares more vulnerably than just about any person I've ever met in my life. And, and he has this gift of opening up our hearts through his honesty. In this conversation, we talk about how God exposes things within us and how that's a gift. We talk about how punishment is not, is not from the Father and how a doctor-hospital model is much more accurate towards the tender-hearted Father that God is. Uh, we talk about how judgment is actually a good thing when you understand it in the context of our loving Father and what He's actually doing in our lives. Paul even defines wrath in a way that isn't scary anymore. Does that sound intriguing? It's quite fascinating and wonderful. He shares about the miracle of how God brings redemption inside of the damage of our lives. And then in a very Paul-like fashion, he just openly shares some of his own journey, both with an interaction with his daughter, but also the difficult relationship with his earthly father and uh, some of the damage within that, but how God brought restoration and, and the, the, the beauty within that in Paul's life. And at the very end, Paul shares about several books he's working on, several more books, including one of them uh, is learning the art of living within the grace of each moment. That sounds yummy, doesn't it? I'm looking forward to that one. So I just want to encourage you to nestle in for what's going to be one of the more enlightening, real conversations that you've heard in a while. I want you to hear from a man who's gone through a lot of pain in his life, but kept his heart open to Jesus restoring him. And now you can see the way of love that Jesus has brought him into and what he promises for you and for me. I'm so excited to uh, have this time with you. And um, part of the reason why I say that is because, um, believe it or not, I think I think we've known each other for about 15 years now. That's the best I can figure. I'll, I'll go back and share that in a second. But every time I talk with you, and we talked a few times even over the the this COVID transitional, world transitional time, every time I talk to you, I not only am super encouraged, but you always share one or two tidbits that just um, are transforming to me. Thank you. And um, no matter how long I've known you. So uh, I just so appreciate you. I so appreciate your staying in the game. You're, um, you're just being a constant voice of hope and, and love. So yay, God. Thank you. I'm so, so happy we can talk. <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit. We will have more, please. Yes, <laughs> that's a good, that's good. So yeah, how I remember um, meeting you was not long after you wrote The Shack. Um, I, someone had given me your book and I went, wow, this is, uh, this is some of the things I have been pondering and thinking and 
but I couldn't have done it as brilliantly as you did in that book. And so I asked you to come and speak. And then when I met you, uh, wow, the, the humility, the genuineness. Um, so I'm just, I'm just so glad, Paul, we've had all these, uh, years together. And then, and then, gosh, I don't know what it was, maybe five years ago, you and I, um, did two different book author workshops together, first in Washington, and then we went to Puerto Rico. Yep. Um, and I loved that trip with you because I watched you transform a, an entire uh, room just with your vulnerability and sharing your story. And mm. and maybe that's a, a place to start is just asking you, like, that's not easy for people to choose to be that vulnerable. I'm curious um, because it's so powerful. And, and so what is it that got, gave you the courage? That's really what it takes, the courage to say, I'm going to share my story, the personal hard parts, and you, you caused whole rooms to cry with you mm. and re- realize themselves in your story. So anyway, mm. let's start there. How, how, how did that come about, you know, that, that willingness to be so deep? Not giving a shit. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I have come to hate secrets so deeply that I love surprises. You know, that's, that's the world of a child. And um, I didn't grow up in the world of a child, um, but I really hate secrets. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's true that we are as sick as the secrets we keep. Wow. And um, so, you know, there comes a point where, and there's timing to all this. Of course, you know, but but secrets were so devastating in my life, all kinds of them Mm. that, um, you know, when Kim caught me in the adultery and stuff, um, I had to make a choice, you know, to kill myself, which was the easy way out or to face her and and stop keeping secrets. Mm. And, um, you know, the temptation to do that is a temptation to safety. Actually, suicide is, too. Suicide is a is an easier road to safety than actually exposing yourself. Wow! But I've come to believe that you know one of the greatest works of the Holy Spirit is to expose. That's mm-hmm. the English translation of that word is to um, the Holy Spirit has come to convict. That's mm-hmm. the word, mm-hmm. and, and that's the Greek word to expose. Okay. So, so the promise of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to expose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is not comfortable to hear, you know? <laughs> and uh, so, so any prayer we pray about becoming free <laughs> is, mm-hmm. a, is a prayer to, to be exposed. And, wow. um, and so, you know, for those of us who grew up with shame as a backdrop, a, a landscape item, yeah. um, exposure is kind of the worst uh, promise. Hmm. Um, and, uh, but, but, but look, watch, watch what COVID did. COVID exposed so much fear yes. in, in us as human beings. Yes. Well, I know that God, you know, is not the author of evil in any sense. So right. while, while God made the virus and viruses without viruses, we cannot exist on the planet. It would hmm. be just one big microbial soup. So virus are is actually a very important part of creation hmm. um, but um, with with this virus and and I was talking to some of my grandbabies kids yeah. 
and we were talking about this. And I asked them, do you think God created viruses? And they're like, no. <laughs> and uh, I said, so where did they come from? And the first answer is the very religious, well, it must have been Satan, you know. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, I said, no, I don't. You know, however you perceive of Satan, I, I don't think that's a creative power in this world. Mm -hmm. If anything, it destroys, you know, creativity and, and creation. And so they were a little bit concerned, like, if it's not Satan and it's not God, where did it come from? And, um, and I talked about how if we don't have viruses, we wouldn't even have a water cycle. Because mm. a, a lot of what is attached to um, are the pieces of microbes that are floating in the air that viruses have torn apart. And, um, and they go like, so God created viruses? I'm going like, absolutely. Then why are we having a problem? Well, fundamentally, we don't know how to love each other very well. And we don't know how to love the planet very well. True. And, um, and so therefore, things get, things get out of hand um, just because of our inability to love. And, right. It's uh, good. And so it's, it's, but here is a God who can climb into any of the devastation that we've created in my own life, as an yes. example. Yes. And uh, be a redeeming genius. Yes. So part of the redemption of COVID is that it's exposed fear and mm -hmm. it's, caused, it's, it's risen to the surface a lot of divisiveness that's based on that fear. Mm -hmm. Well, without, yep. that, without that exposure, we're not going to find a way to heal. And it's a hard road for us, but God will not heal us apart from our participation. And that healing process is not possible without exposure. You're talking about how God is is um, working at a totally different level than we're than we're seeing, especially when we want to just d take the easy road and blame everything on the on the devil and uh, or each and other I, or each other exactly. And you know because I've talked to you about it that that I went through more levels of that exposure in my own heart, my own life, things I couldn't see about my heart that still needed healing and i'm so grateful for it it's so hard going through it it's so good uh coming out the other side more free <laughs> it's good it's good coming out the other side but i hate <laughs> i hate the process it is it is hellish you know it is so painful it is so yeah. it is so humbling yes you know shame would say humiliating yes and the truth is that it's it's humbling you become yes. more human in that journey because yeah. the the crap starts to get burned away, mm -hmm. but, uh, man. I'm That's, grateful every day for it, but I wouldn't ever want to go back through the stuff that I've had to go through. No, exactly. I I agree, and and I also I I love what you said too. I have been talking a lot about this, even in some of the other um, interviews and videos I've been doing. Is it like you just said, God? Bringing everything to the surface, including the fear and especially the division of the us and them which of course is all coming from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil stuff that instead of just living the life in the life of Jesus through us, that we're always looking for who's in, who's out, who's us, who's them. And it's gotten really ugly. And like you just said, I totally agree with you. If we, if God doesn't show us the ugliness of it, then, then we're just going to think that's normative. And 
uh, and it's not, you know, love, love is, is the normative thing. That's what we've been created for. One of the things that I really appreciate uh, uh, from you, one of the, one of the things that actually has endeared me to you is even when you're talking about some of the mistakes that are, you say are people, you, you talk about followers of Jesus and, and all of the horrible things we've done in the name of religion through history and even in recent history. And, uh, and you say our people, uh, because you, it's like you refuse to use the us and them language. And I, I just want to let you know, that's one of the many things I picked up from you through the years is that there are ways to honor everybody and not get fall into that trap of, of this divisiveness that has nothing to do with us all being in Christ together. Yeah. And, and even more so, I talk about my people, they're my Mm -hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I'll go like, so be careful how you talk about them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I, I look even in the traditions that we have that caused plenty of damage. Yeah. It's not like the Holy Spirit was was wringing her hands wondering like, oh, my gosh, you know, yeah. people, what are we going to do about them? Um, yeah. And I, I got a lot out of my tradition, uh, regardless of. I think that the errors and the harm that it also caused, mm-hmm. but there was still uh, an intent and a desire to be the right person for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. But, but a lot of us, it's, you know, that cry on the cross that means the most to me is not my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it is forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, and I love that. And, um, and it, it's not a cry of superiority. Mm-hmm. It, it's a cry of identification. Yeah. You know, and, and, and extreme love. Yes. You know, it's like, ah, they actually don't know who they are and what they're doing. Right. And, and so, I mean, I can identify that in my own life. Um, I used, I used to. I used to know what God was up to, um, and I used to tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I've been so, there. Not so much anymore. You know? <laughs> and uh, I still get tempted in that direction, especially right. especially with those I most love. Hmm. You know, I am. It's I have found that it is much easier to be compassionate and caring for a stranger hmm. than, than it is for someone that I actually am in relationship with. Yeah, and it's it's a conundrum to me why I want to exercise control for those I love, and am so much freer to not do it to those that I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I and I think part of it is is because because our love expands with our knowing mm-hmm. of someone. And it's not it's not love that is actually expanding it's our knowing and so there's there's more uh weaving of our lives into the weaving of those that we we begin to know right and um and so our intent wants to spread out inside that knowing and what gets exposed is our need is our need for control yes and, and we would much rather play the holy spirit in someone's life that we love than trust the holy spirit Mm. And uh, man, uh, for example, one of the things that the COVID thing did and is continuing to do, it divides people over the vaccine. 
Right. You know, are you pro jab or anti jab or mm-hmm. you know, are you involved in some conspiracy or is a conspiracy on the side of the vaccine? As, mm-hmm. You know, all of these things mm-hmm. largely coming through differences of information. Right. And, and information is controlling power in this world. There's nothing like it in terms of human history, the immediate accessibility of information. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it depends on what information that you have. And mm-hmm. so, um, so uh, one of our daughters is, uh, gave birth in January to her first child. And mm. she's, she's 33. She waited a long time. And uh, so I, I did the dad thing and immediately started looking up information of the pros and cons of getting the vaccine yeah. when uh, you're pregnant. And mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a missionary kid, man. I've been jabbed with every kind of thing you can imagine um, for my benefit mm-hmm. uh, overall. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I've been pro-vaccine because I'm, that's been my world. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I, I started studying all this stuff about pregnancy and vaccine. And I especially liked the information that said that women who are pregnant should have the vaccine because that mm-hmm. fits, fits into my bias. Right. right. And uh, so, but my, my daughter and her husband, my son-in-law mm-hmm. were really feeling like for them, this was not the right path. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was, it was bothering me and, and I wanted to change their minds. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm with them at one point and, and I'm trying to use information to change my daughter's mind, <laughs> right? And so we get into this conversation and I get frustrated because she doesn't seem to be getting it. <laughs> and so, and so I, at one point I turn to my son-in-law and I say to him, this is your baby too. Why don't you do something? <laughs> And I immediately see tears running down my daughter's face. Mm. But it takes me another half an hour to not continue to justify myself in the words that I just used. Wow. Because my intent is to protect her. My Mm -hmm. intent is to help her. My -hmm. intent is to fix her mind about this thing. And so what I did is harmed her in the name of being right. Right. This is this year. Right. Right. Earlier this year. And um, and once once I listened to the confrontation of the Holy Spirit in my own heart that mm-hmm. took a while because I'm so mind oriented and dominated and information yeah. has played such a huge role in terms of my survival skills. Mm-hmm. Right. And it crushed me. And and there is something about my history that I've tried to be perfect. It was a performance mm-hmm. perfectionism, right? And I'm suddenly laid out, like exposed. I, I didn't want to trust the Holy Spirit in her life because I had information that was, that was deeper, higher, higher and wider <laughs> than, than the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Mm. Right? And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is this is someone I deeply, deeply, deeply cared for, right. and, and in order to to save her or fix her, yeah, 
I, I had to override the Holy Spirit and the nudge that was in their own heart about their own decision. Mm-hmm. As a result, I caused a huge amount of pain. Yeah. And, it, and so it was humbling in a sense, and all in a big sense. And I had to go back, mm-hmm. not apologize, but ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, ah, I had done such harm with good intention. Yes. And yeah. I, had, I had over, I tried, and I wasn't successful, thank God. I mm-hmm. had tried to override what they were hearing, and I couldn't hear them tell me. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't hear that the Holy Spirit might say something different to somebody that the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Yes. Come on. Yeah. What, yeah. Kind of, what kind of damage is that? And the way yeah. forward in our relationship was for the Holy Spirit to expose this controlling element that resides still in me. Yeah. And, and I'm unfair. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm nodding my head because of course I'm like, yep, I have all the same temptations, you know. And and I think as you just said, or, or maybe I'll say it slightly differently, I think the ones that we're closest to that we love the most are the ones we care the most about. And therefore that fear thing can get in there and and start yep. causing the control. And um yeah, without question, we've I've had many of those uh moments and uh, early on with my son had a, a similar kind of encounter different in some ways but but fortunately um as we are all learning to to listen to the sweet sweet holy spirit within us by 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 grace we can catch things a little earlier and earlier yeah. so we aren't damaging relationships you know yeah. And, yeah and backing off and saying no lord you got this this isn't about me controlling it um but but man i'm right with you it, and it is a fear thing. It mm-hmm. is, like you said, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. It is a fear thing. I mean, yep. I was already imagining that the baby was going to be harmed, that yep. maybe we'd end up in a funeral for a little child, that that it could cause harm to my daughter. Maybe we'd end up in two funerals, you know, mm-hmm. or, or one together. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I've, mm-hmm. I've gone down the future tripping path, <laughs> you know, to, yep. create, to create an imagination that does not exist yes right and and what does exist is right here right now my relationship with my daughter and my son-in-law that's what actually exists but i'm not responding to that i'm responding to something that doesn't exist right right and so i am not even present to them i'm i'm down the road into something it's a vain imagination that raises itself up against the knowing of god it yes. is contrary to Jesus who says, don't take any thought for tomorrow. It's got enough mm-hmm. issues when you get there. And, mm-hmm. and the promise is, when you get there, I will have peace for you. And I will yeah. have kindness for you. And I will have joy. And I'll put in your mouth what to say in response to the actual situation in front of you. Yes. you know. But fear never lets you stay present. No. no. Pushes you away and into some form of aloneness where the only things you have are the weapons uh, that you hope will give you a sense of certainty and control. Yeah, that's well said. And I, I'm so glad you brought up future tripping. That's another thing I picked up from you along the way <laughs> and how you describe it. And I would just add only because I've heard you say it many times, which is that in that, in that future, the problem with that future of our vain imaginations is we're not seeing God in that picture. No. That's where the fear is because it's our own imaginings 
but God isn't present in those in those fearful imaginings. Ah, let me give you another one. And it usually, when you get pushed out of the presence into a place that God does not exist, yeah, you end up in violence of one mm. sort or another. And this okay. was, this these words against my daughter and my son-in-law were violent. They, but let me give you an example that's kind okay. of a common one. So if somebody breaks into your house and they're going to rape your wife and kill your kids, what are you going to do? You're right? going to rise up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe I need to go get a gun, right? Mm-hmm. And because the only thing that I'll have are my own resources and I better have a bigger gun than they have, right? And so in that imagination, what's happened? I got pushed to a place where there's no God, mm-hmm. right? There's, there is no kindness. There's no presence of the Holy Spirit to put in my mouth how to respond. It's, mm-hmm. a sh- it's sheer empty imagination. Could it happen? Well, in terms of the actual possibility, I guess it could, mm-hmm. you know, but it's sheer imagination. And it's in that imagination, I only have my own resources. Not only have I been driven to a place that is not present now, it's to Mm -hmm. a place where I am completely alone because God isn't there, right? And so I'm going to look around for the biggest club that I can find Mm -hmm. and and there will be violence, right? So this this is the trap of future tripping. Do I have everything that I need in this moment? Well, yeah, you know, is, am I in Christ? Does he love me in this moment? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, now imagination is a beautiful, powerful thing. That's part of being human. If you wed it, if you wed imagination to love, you end up with play. You end up with creativity. You Mm -hmm. you end up with investigation, trying to figure out how to do something and Mm -hmm. which you hold loosely. If you, but if you, wed it to fear, you end up in trying to find a way to be certain and have control. And, right. it, and it pushes you in the direction of violence. So right. future, future tripping is deadly. And mm-hmm. part of the journey of us as human beings is to do the work of staying present. Yeah. That's, that's the work. Fear not, I am with you, right? In the presence is fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. Right? Abide with me. Fear not, I am with you is like 365 times in scripture. Right. Right. And it's like, but I don't trust you. So I'm going to go to my own resources and mm-hmm. I'm going to think through, you know, my daughter is going to die. My, my, yeah. my grandchild is going to die. And, and so my resources are to drag information into the present tense and try to convince her that she's wrong. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Fear is an ugly thing, huh? The, the fruit of fear is not. There is, is not there is no fear in love. Yeah. First John, the one yes. who fears is not perfected, is not, he, they are not whole That's in right. terms of being loved. Mm-hmm. But the yep. very fact that there's no fear in love to the degree that there's fear in your life to that degree, you don't know how That's much it. you're loved right That's here, it. right now. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's so good. <laughs> even what you just said about about love and about there's no fear in love. Of course, that's even tied to First John, where it says if we're fearing judgment, then we haven't come to perfection in love. And and um, this is where I wanted to go is that you and I, I know, would both agree that 
that seeing Christ's atonement as the Father punishing him for our sin to satisfy a demand for justice is just a terrible representation. Horrible. Um, horrible representation of Papa God and and not true to the good news. I, I think of that meme, I'm sure you've seen it, where Jesus is knocking on the door of our hearts and he says, let me in. And the person on the other side who you can't see says, why? Jesus says, so I can save you. Save save me from what? From what I'll do if you don't let me in. <laughs> yeah. Really. And that's the circular argument of of really bad news that that we've thought was the good news. And, um, and so I, I, this is really what I'm, what I wanted to ask you, Paul, is that because of the increasing, and I love this, there's such an increasing number of people who are starting some of the word is deconstruction, who are kind of deconstructing some of the wrong ideas and thoughts about God, which is very necessary. It's what Jesus was trying to help the Pharisees do is deconstruct some of their thoughts to embrace what was true. Um, so, so for those people that are saying, okay, if it's not that, if it's not punishment, then what, what is it? What is the good news? What, do you, what would you share with those people? Okay. So one thing is not only does that picture, that meme of the door, uh-huh. and is like from what I'm going to do to you if you let me in, but it's, but it's what my father will do to you. Yes. So I'm going to save you from God the Father. That's kind of how we look at it. So. Yep. What Jesus has come to do was to save you from God the Father. Like, how bizarre is that? And it and it puts not only a conflict between the Father and the Son, but it also puts a conflict between um, the the love and and it's it's really bad Christology, right? It's a really a bad view of the nature of Jesus. Right. Jesus says, "I and the Father are one." You've seen mm-hmm. me. You've seen the Father. So there's a problem at the very core theologically of that whole thing. Right. So so it's the fear of judgment, right? So what's, is there a judgment? I hope so, mm-hmm. right? I hope there is because how, that's, what do you think exposure is? Mm-hmm. Exposure is part of judgment. So mm-hmm. the, the early church did not have a forensic model of judgment and a forensic mm-hmm. means legal. Okay. Right? Okay. When you deal with forensic, you're talking about the law, mm-hmm. right? And the early church didn't have that. We have that largely because some of our theologians in our history were all lawyers. Mm. Augustine was a lawyer. Calvin was a lawyer. Luther was a lawyer. And so when they developed a model of judgment, they developed a forensic one, one that says, all right, we're in a courtroom and mm-hmm. uh, at the, the judge is God, the father. Right potentially the de- defense attorney is Jesus depends on whether you pay him or not. Right. <laughs> so how do you pay Jesus? Well, you ask him into your heart and mm. then, then he'll become your defense attorney. What mm. does Jesus do as a defense attorney? Well, you're guilty, right? So, so God, the father who sits on the seat of judgment, he's the judge. Then that means a, that he is under the law mm-hmm. because he may love you, but he's still got to punish you. He's still got to, you still have a punishment that is assigned to your sin and sin mm-hmm. is defined as behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, and every, in that model, every person that goes into that room knows they're guilty, mm-hmm. right? And so 
God the Father knows you're guilty, and so the punishment is the law, which says you're guilty, you die. But we've gone beyond that. You just don't die. You get the punishment, which is eternal conscious torment. Mm-hmm. Hell. Hell. So we have a view of hell that is eternal conscious torment. And so courtroom scene. You mm-hmm. come in, you're guilty, everybody knows you're guilty, but you pay the defense attorney, and the defense attorney knows you're guilty, the judge knows you're guilty, and so it's, yes, he's guilty. The judge says, all right, I've got to punish him with eternal conscious torment. Jesus says, well, what if I take his punishment instead mm-hmm. of he? Would it be okay? Would the law be met if I take the punishment for this sinner and the judge goes, that's amazing. What a great idea. So yes, we are going to allow you to take the punishment of eternal conscious torment. That's the forensic model. Mm -hmm. So you are wrapped in the righteousness of Christ, imputed righteousness, and the, the punishment of God is poured out on you, the sinner, which is eternal conscious torment. Well, let's take a look at that model. There's a whole bunch of things wrong with that model. One is God the Father is under the law. Right. That's a problem. Uh-huh. Two, two, the sinner's prayer is only a couple hundred years old. Like, what happened to all those people that uh, they didn't do that? They didn't pray the sinner's prayer. Like, that's like the majority of those who supposedly were followers of Jesus. So uh-huh. what happens to them? Third. When did Jesus bear the punishment of eternal conscious torment? Mm. Is it like still to come? Is it like, like how did he do that? And he's got to do it for each one of those that he's the defense attorney for. When did it happen? Did it happen? Is it yet to happen? Like when? And because from what we know about scripture, when he was sent to the place of the dead on that Saturday, it wasn't Mm -hmm. a quiet day. It wasn't, you know, initially he was laid in the tomb, mm-hmm. you know, but, but he went down to the place of the dead and tore it to shreds. I mean, he led captivity captive. There was a yes. huge celebration. Yes. Obviously that's not eternal conscious torment. And right. then he rises from the dead. Where did eternal conscious torment go? Hmm. You know, and how could he take the punishment if that's the punishment? And he never did it. He didn't take it. Hmm. Right. So we've got a whole bunch of problems with the forensic model. The early church didn't use a forensic model. And so so in our forensic model, the reason that you don't have the fear of judgment is because Jesus takes it. Right. And I just get to roll on through because I prayed the sinner's prayer. Early church, no forensic model. They had the model of a doctor hospital. Okay. Okay. That was their model. So in the doctor hospital, in fact, you know, the whole snake on the staff thing that yes. is the Hippocratic Oath, do no wrong. All mm-hmm. of that is based on Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness, where mm-hmm. the snake of accusation in the garden becomes thousands of little snakes, you know, whose, whose bite is a sting. And to save the people, Jesus has risen up as a snake and right. which if you look at that snake, you're healed, right? That's, yes. that's, yes. But that's the picture of medicine and a, mm-hmm. and a hospital. So the early church saw, saw God as the physician and Jesus as the great physician. Right. So do you want a doctor to judge you? I hope so. 
because if you're sick, you want the doctor to go, you're sick. Hmm. You know, if you've got an arm broken, you want the doctor to judge you, say your arm's broken. If you want um, Jesus, the great physician to say, you know what? You've got so much brokenness in your history, right? We want the Holy Spirit to expose our yes. brokenness yes. for what for what ends for the punishment. What's the punishment? We're going to reset your arm. We're going to mm. operate. We're, mm. going, we're going to give you chemo. You know, that's the punishment. What's the purpose of the punishment? To restore you to wholeness. Wow. Right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so that's the model of the early church. That, and so is there fear of judgment in that? No. Why? Because there is no fear in love. And in the doctor hospital model, you're being loved. In the forensic model, you're just being judged and punished. Mm -hmm. And in the doctor hospital model, you're being judged and punished. But it's a completely different paradigm in which the intention of it all is your yes. healing and yeah. your wholeness. So am, am I afraid to be judged in the, in the doctor hospital model? No, mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. absolutely need it. Right. You know, and so whether it's a therapeutic part, you know, when I went and saw um, my, my therapist who became my friend, yeah, it was essential for my healing. And he had to go like, well, you've got a history that is really screwed up and you've mm. been broken on the inside world. And we're going to work our way through that with the goal of your healing and restoration. Right. Again, where is the fear of judgment in that? And it's like, only if I'm not loved, mm -hmm. then I am afraid. Yeah. And, and then I don't want this. Then I will run exactly. from judgment. Yeah. But if, if I'm loved, I, I can take the risk and God will not heal me apart from my participation. Right. right? Yeah. Completely yeah. different models. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. That was so helpful. So really clear. And, and uh, you said not only, not only will we run if we're, if we're not thinking we're loved, not feeling loved, not knowing we're loved, we're going to run, but also we're going to hide and we're going to hide better, which is of course, where we all get into stickiness in life. Yeah. And most of us learned that as a kid, right? Especially if we had punishment from parents, then did the punishment actually change us? No, it taught us how to hide better next it time. Did. Yep. Since none of us can do it perfect, then we're just going to hide better. Absolutely. And, and then we carry that into our adult life and it it's the snake that bites us. And at some point we have to turn to Jesus and say, I can't, I can't hide anymore. I can't, I can't do this. Um, yep. And I want, I want freedom. Yeah. So go ahead. And it, to me, it's that fiery love that, you know, is mentioned so many times in scripture that, that fiery, that his, his eyes of, of blazing fire, that's his passion. So it's his passion that heals us. It's his, man, I love you so much. I can't, if you're willing, if you're willing, like you said, we have to be participants. If you're willing to let me take care of that, it's going to hurt, but man, it's going to feel good in the end. Yeah. It's, it's the, promise of God that anything that is in you that is not of love's kind will be burned away. Yes. Everybody gets salted with fire. Everybody. Yep. Right. Yep. And so the fiery judgment is a redemptive, restorative judgment. Yes. And it's, and so you're not the enemy. Everything in you that is not of love's kind is the enemy. Right. And so God is like, oh, you mean I'm going to let you, you can keep 10% of that which is not of love's kind. And if you begin to understand, you're going to go, I don't want anything that is in me 
I don't want to hurt my daughter. Right. And and if if my remaining darkness causes me to do harm, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I want yeah. it gone, right? Yes. And um, and so that's all of a sudden that which I used to be afraid of, that judgment, now mm-hmm. becomes my salvation in mm-hmm. the sense that it's going to actually burn out of me. And yeah. part part of the part of the beauty of how that then um, echoes in my life, it's one of the outcomes, is that I become attractive by nature. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the burning bush. The burning bush is <laughs> all the deadwood gets burned away. You mm-hmm. don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to leave. You don't have to have a mission. That you will become attractive by just being love. Yes. Right? And, yes. and that's a beautiful promise. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man, I, I am not doing this in order to become attractive. I'm right. doing this because I'm desperate to be whole. Yeah. And I'm, I'm tired of hurting people. Hmm. I'm tired of hurting myself. I'm yeah. tired of shame. I'm tired of fear. I'm tired yeah. of addictions. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to see. I want to see. So it's Jesus lifted up on that staff, which is the mm-hmm. cross, right? Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the cross as my salvation. It is the judgment against anything in me that is not of love's kind. Mm-hmm. And I identify because I am in Christ. <laughs> and that becomes now, everything flows from there. Yeah. You know? yeah. Ah, I'm crying with you. God, <laughs> our, our loving Father in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That's, that's our Father. You know, so all, all Jesus is doing on the cross is perfectly representing the Father's heart and love as well. And perfectly representing us as human beings. Yes. <laughs> right? He yes. shows us he shows us what it means to be human and shows us what it means to be God. Yeah. In the in the cross. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So good. <laughs> and well, it's amazing. It is amazing. Astounding. Too beautiful for words. It yep. is much too beautiful. The good news is is uh the good news is understated, huh? Because it's exceptionally, brilliantly, you know, off the charts news. It used and, to be uh, under. It used to be not just understated. It used to be absolutely fear based. Yes. You know, I yep. love you. The good news is, if you don't do what I'm saying, I'm going to kill you forever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep you alive in a state of torture, mm-hmm. torment, and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. Right. That's the mm-hmm. good news. Like come 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 join us, the band of Jesus followers, uh, based on fear. Fear yeah. becomes the motivation. Yep, yep. Yeah. And as we know, all, all know, and I mentioned as as children, you know, we learn because we can't do it perfectly, we hide better. So if fear's the motive, and we can't do it, we're not gonna we're not gonna on our own merit. We're not gonna suddenly live a a life without any mistakes. And so. We're going to do one or two things. We're going to hide better and pretend in our relationship with God. Or like many, we're just going to say, I quit. I quit this game because I can't win. Yeah. I don't know how to participate and in, in win in this. So I'm not going to play anymore. Yeah. And a lot of I'm our not- brothers and sisters who are deconstructing. Yeah. They don't, they, they don't, they can't distinguish between just giving up and having the wood burned away. That is false. Right. And so, I mean, they've, they so connect the damage and their history to 
the system of the church that they've known that has done so much harm that they just quit, you know, and I don't, I don't blame them. You know, there, there has been so much harm and, um, and it's, it's in a sense better to completely um, deconstruct and start from scratch and find out the things that are true. Um, although, you know, that's a long and arduous road itself. For, I think people that help in that process will help those who are deconstructing. Oh, let me put it this way. This is a great example. Okay. I think it is because it's very personal and very recent. So my dad passed away two months ago. And, uh, and it's, been quite, it's been quite a journey the last 12 years with my dad since he was 80 years old. Mm. 80 years old, you know, I have a very difficult history with my dad. Um, me and my brother Tim do. And so did Stephen, my youngest brother, but he was killed when he was 18. And frankly, when he died, I was relieved for him. It was the mm. oddest. It was the oddest emotional response to a death that I can imagine. But mm. I was so glad that he got out. You know, for a lot of us, death becomes our way of salvation. It's like mm. we get to get out of here. And mm -hmm. um, and so, but but we had a lot of harm, and it's a lot of it came because my dad he had been so harmed as a child, and his dad before him that he he didn't have a capacity to be a dad. But I still expected him to be a dad. And, um, and, and so there was this whole situation on his 80th birthday. And out of that, I, I realized that I was creating minefields and hiding mines in those fields. My expectations that my dad finally get it and become a father to me. Mm -hmm. um, and he would always step in a mine. He would always blow things up. And uh, on his 80th birthday, he did it again. And, um, and that's, that's when I had a little heart to heart with, uh, Papa God. Mm -hmm. And, and it was like, Paul, you need to let him go. You need to let him not walk in the minefield of expectations that you lay down for him. Mm -hmm. Right. You need to let him become something bigger than your dad. Yeah. I'm like bigger. It's like, you need to let him become a human being. Wow. Oh, yeah. Because I was restricting him to the to just the, the the role expectation and role of being my dad. Yeah. Right. And so I I I found out in a more clear way that I kept an album of history that was called "All the Ways My Dad Failed." Mm. Right. So every time he hurt me, I had a photograph in this album, and so when I saw him. And he said something, I would just open up the photograph and I'd find the one that he hurt me like that. Right. So I have this whole photograph, this album of photographs. And um, and it's how God heals us is not to go change our histories, but to go change our perspective of the photographs. That is, mm -hmm. where was Jesus in this photograph? Yeah. Right. And um, and then I found out I had another little photograph album that I kept in a closet. And this photograph album had ways that my dad tried or ways that my dad was good or, mm. or the things that my dad was good at, mm. you know, how he helped people, 
how he worked really hard, how he suffered in certain situations. I didn't want to look at that photograph album. Mm -hmm. You know, it was in the closet for a reason. It was in the dark for a reason because it, it contradicted the photograph album that I could always pull up when somebody failed. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and so, so in the deconstruction process, a lot of our brothers and sisters, we put the little photograph away in the closet and slam the door shut and lock it. Mm -hmm. Right. We don't see anything good from our history. And all we've got is the photo album of the things that harmed us. Yeah. Right. And so part of our journey in the deconstruction process is to recognize, is to say, Jesus, where were you inside this harm? Yeah. You know, I, I need to go back into this picture, whatever the picture is, that comes up for you. You go back and say, where were you here? And you mm -hmm. let, you let the Holy spirit give you eyes to see inside of that damage. Mm -hmm. Where was the father, son, and Holy spirit? Where was love? Mm -hmm. And such a way that you still don't lose the photograph that you've got little album that you've got hidden away right. that you, you can take it out and go like, like for me, one of the things that I got from my tradition was meeting people who loved beyond their theology. There were people in my life that kind of saved me along the road, right? And I can think of very specific people who slipped me a book or who whispered something to me that was an encouragement, who put their arm around me and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. I got some theology that was really good. You know, they, they may not have known how to express it, but we had a theology of the Trinity. And it, that's what really was a root for me that I was able to build on right. that ended up being expressed in the shack, right? Yes, yes. That's, that's in that little album. Yes, they did some huge damage. They hurt my dad and mm -hmm. they hurt our family. And that's true. And I can go back and, and, and grieve those losses and that harm. But I can find Jesus there too right? And mm -hmm. my failures, and as well as their failures. Yeah. And, and so now I've got both, both albums. And I can see so that I just, I don't deconstruct into nothing. Right now, some of my brothers and sisters, it becomes necessary that they deconstruct into nothing, just so that they can begin to build from that anything right. that is real that we know was created out of nothing. Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's not that nothing has no value. It's, it's where new creations can happen. Right. So, you know, how the Holy Spirit is working in, in one brother or sister's life, I need to be able to listen and hear what that means to them and where that journey is. I'm just saying that for many of us, let's not forget the little album that's locked up in the closet. That's, that's beautiful, Paul. Um, I, Paul, I didn't know about your dad, and um, I know we've talked a lot, but we haven't talked in the last two months, and so just uh, just sending my love to you. Um, Thank you. He, yeah. he started rough, but he ended well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, wow. It, do, it doesn't justify any of the damage, yeah. but, it, but there was redemption inside that damage. Yeah. You know, the shack is part of the redemption of 
my mm-hmm. difficult relationship with my dad. Doesn't mm-hmm. justify the harm, doesn't justify the brutality of it, doesn't justify, yeah. but, you know, the redeeming genius who is God mm-hmm. can, can climb into the harm and the hurt mm-hmm. and, and make it count for something. Yeah. Right. Without yeah. justifying it. It's yeah. one of the, it's one of the most incredible ways that God is able to love us because we, we bring the damage. My dad brings the damage. I bring mm-hmm. the damage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, part of the redemption of my story that was with my daughter. Right. And, um, and is being able to tell you about it and it will it will mean something to somebody out there it just sure. it, it wasn't planned but it came up in the conversation right and that's now part of the redeeming genius and yes. what's what flows out of this conversation and this conversation happened because we have a relationship of love that goes back 15 years mm-hmm. right yeah. and and it will it will find a place inside the story of another and we won't know about it until we're we're spending eternity telling stories you know right (laughs) oh yeah you oh my gosh that that no (laughs) that's beautiful that's why eternity Uh, takes so long i know when we last talked you were going to take a couple months to really focus on writing and i don't know if that still happened with your with your dad dying and and but i just i guess i wanted to just throw it out there and say our our I guess a multiple, a multiple faceted question, and you can answer it any way you want. But you know, are have you been working on something? Is there something coming out soon that we could know about? And and I, I'm just going to throw the book questions all in one little thing, and that is, and that is, what was uh, you know, is what you're writing the most fun you've had, or is there a, a previous book? What was the most fun for you to write? So there you go. There's your book question. Oh boy. It's kind of it's kind of like asking which of your kids do you love the most. I know, you know, and and the answer is uh, the one that I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> exactly, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So uh, that's the only way I know how to answer the question about the most fun. You know, because I can I can drop into any of the things that I've written, mm-hmm. and when I was working on it, it was the most fun I'd ever had. But that's the life of a child, right? <laughs> the, the child is not stuck on a timeline. The, the child is in the present. Yes. And the presence is where everything is actually happening. Right. Because that's where the Father, Son, Holy Spirit live with us, is right yes. here, right now. That's where right eternal here. life exists. Yes. So, right now. Yep. So um, the projects that I'm working on, there's a bunch of them. And uh, um, I've got two nonfiction specifically that I'm working on right now and a couple of them sitting on the back burners. Okay. Um, and, uh, and two of them go back to back. That's, that's a recent um, unfolding is that two, two of them go back to back upside down from each other. Oh. And, and one of them is about uh, what it, the truth of being human. That is the truth of our being and the ways of our being. And uh, so, you know, it basically sits on top of the sentence, wholeness, wholeness is when the ways of our being express the truth of our being. And so the question is, what's the truth of our being? You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, do we have a sin nature and all that? Because, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
and uh, and then how you know is this about moralism? Is this about behavioral modification? You know, is that what Christianity is? You know, so how how what is the truth of our being? And then let's look at the ways of our being. How do we match them? So that's that's one. The opposite one is about um, um, learning the art of living in the grace of each moment, mm. right? which is about learning to stay present. Yes. Stop our future tripping. Yep. Stop stop our reverse future tripping. Uh, re reverse future tripping is we think about some. It usually starts with if only I had thus, right. right? And so so we create an event in the past, usually where we've made a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. And then we create a timeline that's imaginary mm -hmm. from that event, and everything was great and wonderful. We married that person instead of this person, and this person's that's really difficult to live with, but that person would have been great. And so <laughs> that imaginary timeline judges this one, mm. and we want to escape this one, right? And it's I call it reverse future tripping. So that's all of that kind of stuff, how to be present, what, it, what does yeah. it mean to be present, all of that. Then the fiction one that I'm working on is um, actually a sequel for The Shack, ah. which, which I never thought that I would write yeah. um, until I started to build a relationship with the guys on death row in Tennessee. Wow. And that opened up a path for a possibility. So hmm. I'm working on that. And then, you know, stories from the shack you know all those incredible stories and mm -hmm. and, and um and some of them. Yeah. oh my I've, gosh I've, <laughs> i wish there was part of me that said man with today's talk i would have loved to have almost fed you a line of one of those and just hear the stories again because i've heard them several of them that just wreck me you know of, mm. of ways god has used the shack to heal lives it's just astounding so astounding i i give you a quick i can give you a quick one all right Okay, so when I got back from burying my dad, um, back yeah. down, I, I was up in British Columbia and came back. There was a card waiting for me, you know, and a lot of people don't write cards anymore. They send an email or a text or whatever. And it, it meant that, you know, somebody had taken some time at least to write something and to stick it in the mail and all this. Yeah. And the, on the inside are all these little, little notes. Yeah. And... Um, um, so uh, this one up here is from Nicholas, he, he, uh, Nicholas Johnson. He says, I'm sending my condolences and my love to you and your family. My prayers are that you remain strong and at peace and you remain under the wings of the most high. Uh, this one's from KB. Um, he is referred to as the pastor. Uh, Dear Paul, with love, my heart and prayers are with you and your family. Please be strong and very courageous. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Uh, this one's from Akil, sending my condolences to you and your family. You're in my prayers. This one's from Donald Middlebrook. Paul, dude, sorry to hear about your dad. One of the things that helped me with Maggie's passing several weeks ago was the thought of their now comfort. Mm -hmm. from, from Harold Wayne Nicholas, Paul, my heart is with you and your family in your time of grief. Remember, it is in our times of sorrow that God holds us the closest. Love your friend. Mm -hmm. uh, from Mike Bain, I'm so sorry to hear about your father. Please know that you and your family are in our hearts and prayers, sending good thoughts and love from our hearts. From Purvis Payne, Brother Paul, my heart goes out to you and your family. Continue to be strong and hold on, my brother. May the love comfort you and console your soul. Take care 
My prayers are with you. Stand, my brother, stand. Hmm. From, ter from Terry, today Wes gave me the news of your father's passing away. I'm so sorry, but I thank God for the gift that your father gave you and saying how proud he was of you, hmm. which happened two weeks before he died. Wow. Uh, sending, um, sorry to hear about your father, and I send my prayers to you and your family. There's one on the back from Rudy Kalis. God bless you, Paul. I always loved Isaiah 59, 21. Meant a lot to me when my dad died. So sorry. These are all guys on death row. Oh, wow. These are all my brothers on death row. Wow. Right? I was with them about a month and a half ago. We had the most incredible, they planned, and we had the most incredible communion that I've ever had in my life. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and uh, you know, but you you hear that language and you mm -hmm. realize our our justice system, our forensic justice system, didn't transform them. Like one of the guys said, stone and concrete and steel. That's what you see. Mm -hmm. None of that has anything to do with freedom. Mm -hmm. And like Terry says, who's been on death row for 38 years, he said, you know, from what I understand, I'm a new creation. And if the state of Tennessee ever puts me to death, they will have killed the wrong man. Hmm. Right? And it just, it just changes perspective. perspective. Wow. And what I just read to you, mm -hmm. it will shatter a paradigm of those guys right. on death row. Mm -hmm. Right? And what we have here is the beauty of transformation. And Terry says, you know, it's a it's a hard thing sometimes to be only known as the from the as the worst day of your life. Wow! Right? Yeah. And uh, um, these guys they have a, a quite a good sized library in a small workshop, a wood shop, mm -hmm. and they've they've done some of the most amazing things in their wood, wood shop. But one of the things is they built what they call the table of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Seats about twelve people. And it sits outside their library. And the agreement is if any of the guys have an issue with each other, they will meet at the table of reconciliation until, until it's resolved. And uh, if they can't get communication to help re resolve it, Terry, Terry King, my friend, he will act as a mediator at the table of reconciliation. Wow. Sh shouldn't we build one of those inside every faith community inside wow. every, every neighborhood inside mm -hmm. you know, every home ev every home <laughs> a table of reconciliation wow right again that's part wow. of the ripple effect from this little book that wow. i made 15 copies that did everything i ever wanted it to do wow that's so good paul Year years ago you told me you were gonna you know you were gonna write this second book with with these guys uh talking to these guys on death row and just, uh, I, I can't wait for that to come out. Um, no timeline on it yet. Yeah. And the other ones, the, the f nonfiction ones, no timeline yet on those. No, I have a full draft <clears throat> that needs a little bit more work for okay. the way and truth of being. Okay. And, um, and then, so the, the next one I think that I will complete will be the art of living in the grace of the, of each moment. Mm. and um and wow. then yeah but who knows you know yeah. i could be dead by tomorrow and that'll screw up <laughs> all my plans 
<laughs> oh my goodness only because i've known you so long i can laugh with you and know exactly where your heart is when you hey. say something like that because it's true those who trust jesus never die that is absolutely right we will not die so the next uh, step of eternal life well thank you for uh, enriching my life again i i get the joy of uh, going back and editing this so i i get to listen to this several more times which i go. am thank you holy spirit to. we will have more please yes agreed 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 so i'm yeah so so love your courage paul and more than that i love your love thank you <laughs> appreciate you so much same love that dwells in you and uh and love to your fam thank you